You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Let's hear it for Joe Stapleton. The air miles on this guy. The air miles. Fucking hell, guys. <laughs> I am back in London. My life, man. I told James this morning, I'm like, dude, if there, he was like, what's this thing in the running order? I'm like, I, dude, if it's not supposed to be there, it's because I live in a permanent state of jet lag. I have no idea where up is down, down. It's just, I'm in London. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow, but I'm in London today. Coming up on today's show, finally put Reno to bed, running up Reno. I was there, what, six hours ago? I have no idea. I have a few more shenanigans there uh, since I last talked to you. Uh, an event recap coming up later. Uh, we've been back on TV here in the UK again. Yeah. So it is time once again for some TV recap. PCA main event 2012 style. Yeah, it's totally speaking 2018, but I take your point. It took us a second to get those things on the air. Uh, and that includes speaking to the very special guest today, Mo the Destroyer. If you watch the TV shows, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, what the fuck are you even listening to this for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have had no time to watch TV or movies because of Reno. I did not squeeze in much of this week's uh, super fan subject. Oh I am Alan Partridge. Oh, dear. I think you could be in trouble. I watched a few episodes. I've made the quiz quite tough. I'm sure. Anything that you like, I'm in big trouble. Uh, I'll be facing a fellow named Ollie Durham on that subject. Uh, I have heard enough quotes over the years that hopefully I've osmatically absorbed some of it. Is osmatically even a word? Is the process of osmosis? I looked it up because I wanted to say it in a tweet last right. week when I wished uh, Norm Macdonald a happy birthday. And it came up on the internet, but it does not come up in Microsoft Word. Right. Which, to be honest, Word is not perfect. No, it's not. By any stretch of the imagination, whichever version you're running. Um, I imagine that it's not just jet lag that's tiring you out. You were out and about last night. I was, but I've I've not been drinking. I, I decided that I would take a break from drinking for a little while. So uh, I did not drink last night. I did go to a pub poker game last night. These guys, uh, Nate and Sam, have come to a bunch of my stand-up gigs. And they're always like, hey, if uh, you ever want to play poker in your town. And, and I, honestly, I really don't. But I was like, you know what? These guys are super cool. It would be really nice if I just go to the pub poker thing. So I said yes about a month ago. Went down there, had a really good time. It was 15 pounds. Yeah. You know, it was, it was like a 10-pound buy with a 5-pound I just wanted to verify on. that's how much it cost you to get to. Not how much I gained. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, dude, this restaurant I went to, uh, this so one of the guys works in a pub, and the pub we went to, I looked at the menu, and I thought it would be a typo. 10 pounds, 75 for 25 wings. That's a lot of wings. That is a lot of wings. First of all, the fact you can find somewhere in South London that sells wings, and second, they that actually, they're reasonably priced. Not only is this place in Croydon, James, not only do they have wings, they had vegan chili. I was like, huh. this place is all right. Yeah, no, I had a good time down there. Uh, I did have, I did, I mean, look, I lost two flips. That was it. I, you know, I, I finished in 10th place. I had about 25 people there. Um, all of which, 24 of them were fucking super stoked that I was there. And one guy was like purposefully like, I don't give a fuck about this TV guy. He like didn't even look at me. So a bit like uh, when we went to that um, pub game in Wimbledon that one time, right? Yes. There's always the one guy. There's always who, like, one guy who's like, I don't fucking care who this guy is, even though he did care a little bit. You could tell. <laughs> uh so I got a, I had a Jimmy the Bastard question for you. Okay, yes, this is my uh, my alter ego who takes a very hard line on rules and fractions in in casual laid back poker right. games. Right. So okay, so this is a casual laid back poker game where we're passing the deal, and I've worked in passing the deal poker games. Not worked and played in passing self deal games. Self deal games. Usually there's two decks going, so that one person can be shuffling. While the other person is dealing. Okay, that's not the standard practice. It, no, well, then there was just one deck in this. And so, uh, it, it for me, it slows the game down quite a bit when you're does, waiting yeah, for people yeah. to shuffle. And it's been a long time since I've played in a self-deal game. The standard rule in UK casinos always used to be the player to your immediate left uh, shuffles the deck. Yeah. The player to your immediate right cuts the deck. Right. You then deal. Right. So, I was just, I was terrible at shuffling because I'm not good at shuffling so that people can't see the cards. Right. Um... So and then I just cut the deck myself because I'm like it's I'm it, the same who I'm, cares? I'm I'm a pretty competent dealer it's yeah. all of the prepping the deck right. shit that I screw up. Well the very first time I start dealing I somehow missed somebody. I don't know how it happened so it's a missed deal. Right. Second time I'm dealing I expose a card. 
right? That but, becomes the burn card. Right, so we did that, and then they got the last card. But then during the hand, I mucked a guy's hand, like on like the river. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, fucking, I, I don't ever deal. It's like, a, you know, and everyone's like putting the chips in and the cards are all, it's like when they're, I'm on the end of the table too. Right. And so people are trying to help by like pushing the muck and pushing the chips and stuff. And it's all very confusing. So the cards are pushed slightly out from the player. He doesn't have his hand on them. There's no nothing right. protecting and those I, cards. And I just, I just muck them. I believe and the official rule is it's the player's responsibility to protect their hand. Right. That is the official rule. And if Jimmy the Bastard had been there, that's what he would well, have Well, that's ruled. what the ruling was. He also would have slapped you around the top of the head as well. The ruling was that. But the person he was in the hand against, I was like, can we just? Can he just tell me what the cards are so I can get his cards out of, out of the muck? It's very difficult for someone to cheat and be like... No, the, card, the hand's dead. Right. You can't start going, oh, we can get them out and of the muck. And that's fine. And someone did that. Someone said that exact thing. And so guess what I did in response? Because I don't like Jimmy the Bastard and I don't like the player that said this. I mucked her hand. On a future hand. Wow. In which case, Jimmy the Bastard would have hit you around the head a second time, only much harder. Right. So there you go. There you go. If you don't want to, if you don't want to play cool, if you don't want to be have a friendly home game, no problem. I can make more than one mistake in a night. No big deal. And with that anecdote, all the invitations that Joe was receiving to these games have dried <laughs> up. Uh, so anyway, did have a good night there. Uh, I, I bubbled the final table. Uh, it was a long ride home from Croydon. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I did mention I was going to go to a sexy Halloween party. I will say this much. I did go. When you say sexy Halloween party, this is just means you're being encouraged to dress in no, a kind of... No, this is like an exclusive, like, off the books. Are, are you using sexy Halloween party as a euphemism for orgy? It's not quite an orgy is the thing. Like, it's somewhere in between where they have, like, paid sexual performers there sort of who are naked and doing... I, I don't want to say they're not ha having sex, but they're simulating sex right um and uh and so i didn't know like i, I it's the kind of thing you'd think i'd really like no this sounds horribly pretentious and sounds like it's probably populated by people who i want to punch in the face okay so that is the thing is that the the party itself was kind of cool and my girlfriend knows a lot of the performers there so that was actually very cool because they're all like hey what's up and then they would go back to doing their weird halloween sex act or whatever um, <laughs> I don't want to know what a Halloween sex act looks like. It was like, like a, it, the whole thing was like a <laughs> asylum theme. We use a bone. Um, right. It was asylum theme. So it was like a lot of like scary nurses and people in cages and straight jackets and stuff like, like a straight jacket put their dick out. Uh, that kind of thing. So cool. Right. So, but the thing is, that part was okay. But you were right. The other people that were there were just so horrible and awful that I was super uncomfortable. I just didn't like it. And um, what happened was a few hours into it, this like swinger couple was like, we got a table at a club. Like we're going to bring a bunch of people with us. So me and my girlfriend hopped in their car and these two other really hot single girls. And we're all on the way to this club. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the club with them. Can we, can we just, so we go all the way to the club. It's this massive line, Saturday night, Halloween. We get let in. We get sent to the table. And we're like, we're just going to go to the bathroom. And we just fucking Irish goodbye. <laughs> we just completely Irish goodbye. I was in bed by like 2 o'clock in the morning. I had to fly to England the next day. Well, that and you probably avoided a very awkward conversation when the swingers start, start suggesting that you go home with them. No, no, we would have gone. If I didn't have to fly the next day, I would have gone and see oh, okay. what happens. Yeah, okay. no, I'm totally down to just okay. go. They were like, we got a hot tub and champagne back at the house. And I, it was the fact that I flight the next day. Well, my life has been a lot less exciting, but somewhat more rewarding because I have been all in with Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay, so that night, I was like have apprehension about going to the party. And my girlfriend knew that Red Dead had come out. And she was like, honestly, if you want to skip the party, we can just sit here and play Red Dead. And I felt so lame. So I didn't do it. I was because she paid too. She paid like a couple hundred bucks for us to go. So I was like, "No, it's okay. Let's go to the party." But I really would have rather stay home playing Red Dead you Redemption. You see, I didn't know if I was going to take the plunge on this because did I you just... complete the first game? No, I never even played the first. Well, I played the very, very first game in the series, Red Dead Revolver, yeah, which was a PlayStation okay. Two game. I was really, I, I was let down by it because the. The promise of a spaghetti western type video game by yeah. the guys who did Grand Theft Auto, I thought was going to be fucking awesome, and it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't quite there. So I then never got Red Dead so Redemption, Red Dead Redemption for Redemption, the PS3. I won't spoil it. I fucking cried. I cried at the end of that game. The story in that game is so moving and so compelling. I actually cried. And I had no real intention to do this because 
I just don't have the time right. to play these open world, these sandbox games where there's like 60 hours of narrative. And that's ultimately why I didn't get the game that day because I went I went to go, I had a few hours, right? And I was like, I'm going to go to the video game store. And I was like, I just bought fucking Spider-Man a month ago and I've only played that 10 minutes. I can't go. So of course, this. I then end up watching a feature online about this game, the production work, the 10 years it's How been. How long in, it's taken, yeah. And I'm like, but also I'm looking at thinking, this looks amazing. So I decided to go onto Amazon and of course, you know, games in the UK are about 50 quid a pop so i'm looking at spending 50 quid on that and the other game i was looking to get was forza horizon 4 because i quite like that series as well so i'm looking to spend 100 pounds on games and when i type in red dead redemption 2 xbox one what pops up but a, a special deal on the xbox one x like the top end xbox which is that console Red Dead Redemption 2, Forza Horizon 4, Forza Motorsport 7, all for £399. And I'm like, right. I'm sold. Also, James' wife's out of town, so there's no one to, <laughs> there's no adult supervision. I did tell her I was going to do this, <laughs> and I promised I would get 75% of the value of the Xbox One S on eBay, which I did do. Nice. So I managed to sell that at a decent price, uh, upgraded to the Xbox One X, and I'm really glad I did, because this game looks un-be-fucking-leavable. It's like watching a movie. And I know that there's the whole PlayStation versus Xbox camp out there, but the fact is that the Xbox One X is the only console that can truly do 4K HDR. All the other consoles upscale HD. This is a true 4K picture, and this game just looks amazing. And I've only played about an hour of it. I've only like completed two or three missions, but... I'm really enjoying it. I'm really into the story. But more than that, I'm just sat back watching it thinking, this is beautiful. I mean, you can see why it takes 10 years to make a game like that, though. Yeah, absolutely. Do, when the, you say that's the only one that does the 4K, uh, true 4K, you have to have a true 4K TV, though. Well, obviously, that. yes. But, but there's a lot of TVs out there that say 4K that aren't really 4K, right? Isn't that one of those things? No. There's 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 4K TVs yeah. and then there's 4K TVs which also do 4K HDR either HDR10 or Dolby Vision. Okay. And I would recommend. I think uh, to me, I don't think I have the HDR. I think I just well, have a 4K TV. To me, and sorry, this is getting really geeky and technical, and I apologize. But I think I've had this conversation a few times on a live stream. I think I talked to Finton and Spraggy about it when I was a guest on their stream a few weeks back. Um, I don't think the big evolution is the actual resolution. I think the jump from HD to 4K is negligible, mm -hmm. especially as no one has a 106-inch screen in their home. So most people aren't going to notice the increased number of pixels. What they will notice, though, is if the image is high dynamic range, it, whether it's using HDR10 or a process like Dolby Vision, where suddenly it has a clarity, a depth of field, a color range that's unlike anything you've seen before, and it almost looks like a three-dimensional image. Mm -hmm. That is the technological innovation that makes 4K worth going for. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't see myself getting one of those things. I'm not home enough. Um, talking of spending far too much money on technology, Jimmy Big Phone is now a thing as well. I went for the uh, the 10R, which is uh, a bigger, heavier phone than I've ever had before. And I am loving the increased screen size. I'm loving the increased real estate. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like having a plus-size phone like you had with the uh, with the 6 and the 8. Yeah. Um, but the weight is kind of like, you know, it's it's it's... It's it's quite hardcore. Well, you're not the kind of you're not the kind of person that spends a lot of time in bed on your phone, are you? No. See, for me, the weight is a problem because at least once a week, I drop my phone on my face <laughs> when I'm in bed and I'm like doing this. I'll just because it's morning time and I'm just my fingers aren't working yet. Um, before we start going through the PCA shows, Joe, you followed us. You promised us rather some anecdotes from the latter end of Run It Up Reno because you gave us your main event recap last week, but you still were in Reno and had a few days to go. Yeah, and so what? Uh, well, no, no, no the I, the mini main is what I gave you the recap on. I didn't yeah. get to stay for the main event. No. Um, so just a couple things. One, I didn't realize this, but the Money Maker event, I got a hand and mob flag. Finally, my first ever yay hand and mob flag. And a not insignificant number of player of the year points. Wow. Like, I got 32 player of the year points. And I think that the uh, the number one player right now has like 3,200. So where are you on the all-time money list? Uh, I forget. We have to check this. We have to do the comparison. Let's do it. Hold on. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll... You're going to be faster than me. You, you just can do it. Okay, oh, you, let's, you... let's race. Hold no, on. No, no, no. You look, you look up at Joe Stapleton. Okay. Let's see where we compare on the all-time money list. I am 
447,352nd on the all-time money list. I am 112, 100, 112,191 on the all-time money list. Wow, wait. You must go up. What's your total score? My total caches are uh, 9,500 US. How much? 9,500? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. I got a long way to go. And I am on the, my GPI ranking is 109,572nd. Where do I find that? Where do I find my GPI ranking? Oh, you don't even have one. Oh, now I feel bad. That's BS. <laughs> Hold on, no. Global Poker Index ranking 130, 132,307th. We're in the database, Joe. People can now add us to their fantasy teams. This database. is very exciting. Uh, so well done on the Hender Mob flag. Mob flag. Any uh, other results while you're out there? No other results, which means I think that a guy lost his car. Eesh. We did not talk about this on the show, but uh, before I got there, this dude had bet his car versus 10 times the value of his car that I would win an event at running up Reno. And I eventually DM'd him and I was like, dude, I'm not, first of all, I'm not a poker player. Second of all, I'm, not, I'm only playing a few events. Now, I did play more events than I thought. I played the mini main, the, uh, uh, a horse, a partner's event, a knockout event, and the moneymaker event. So I played five things while I was there. I did not win any of them, and I only cashed one of them. But the one thing I will say is that if you're going to – if you're like a small-time poker player, yeah. I basically bricked. And I was there for six days, and I think I spent like 1500 or maybe $2,000. In the grand scheme of things, that's, that's not bad. Especially because I was there five days. That's including – I think the rooms were like fifty or sixty dollars a night. So, but there's all the other stuff going on as well because yes. we obviously we had Danielle Anderson, D Moon Girl, on the show last yeah. week, and you guys were going to the karaoke night. So that night, myself, Danielle, Spraggy, and Fenton were the judges for karaoke night. Oh wow! And we just, oh that is a that is a role that I'm really that's the first time I've genuinely been jealous of you. The we, fact you got to judge a karaoke competition eviscerated people. We just were being so cruel. And the thing is, I wasn't even really being cruel because I didn't like the performances. I just was having fun with being Simon Cowell. And then I did it the first few rounds. And then eventually, like Finton and Spraggy and Danielle were all like, okay, we're just going to start doing this too. Right. And the scores were totally arbitrary. I would just like say something mean and then give a three or say something terrible. The three was top, by the way. Uh, or say something great and then give a one. Um, so... Uh, it was an absolute shit show of a night that ended in... It was one of those nights, and that's why I'm not drinking at the moment. It was one of those nights that um, the next day, I felt fine. Everything was okay. And then people would talk about stuff that happened, and I'd go, Oh. Oh, that did happen. Oh. And it was stuff that I had, like... I wouldn't say I blacked out, but stuff that I had not, I'd forgotten until it got brought up. And I was like... Wait, Spraggy closed the night with Wonderwall, and I and I remember, <laughs> I remember he was standing on a table, and I was like, "This table won't support the both of us, so I won't stand on it." But then I climbed something and hung off of it, so I was duetting with him, like singing in the same microphone. And I didn't remember that till someone told a different story about someone hanging off a balcony. I was like, "I hung off of something. <gasps> I hung off something last night too." The night ended. With uh, Andre, who is uh, uh, Andre Hengchua, who's Jason's producer and like sort of the the, the, the guy behind the scenes, uh, wrestling Dean Moon Girl in the hallway because he's like a trained wrestler, and she was like, "Let's go, let's go, MF. I want to wrestle you." And he was like, "Are you sure?" And she was like, "Yeah, I have it on video. It's like a four minute long wrestling match, like a real, <laughs> not like WWE wrestling, like." No, proper wrestling. Leg wrestling, like just yeah, choke yeah. holds and, and, and pinning and stuff like that. And she went home with a gigantic rug burn on her face. Oh, my God. So, anyway, last thing for Reno. They added to the schedule last minute because uh, this guy, Tyson Apostle, who had won Survivor, uh, expressed some interest to me in doing stand-up. Spraggy expressed some interest to a few people. I said, why don't you do an open mic night? And he was like, ah, oh, the schedule's kind of full. I don't think we can do it. Couple days in, his guy Jesse, Jason were like, you know what? We did it. We added to the schedules an open mic night. I was afraid no one but me and Tyson were going to show up. Me and Tyson show up. About a dozen other people, Survivor fans, poker players, people who were busted at tournaments, were all there to see it. And then I was afraid it was going to be just me and Tyson performing. Right. Because an open mic night. Also, it's in a conference room. It's not the best setting for stand up. Uh, open mic night, you need more people. A couple more people sign up. Now we got four or five. It goes fairly well. 
Jason's there. He enjoys himself. Everyone has a good time. And then what happens is the open mic goes so well and everyone enjoys it so much that when we end it an hour in, it was we started at, se- at 6.30. At 7.30 we ended it. And a bunch of people were like, oh, well, now that I see it, I kind of want to try it. So I was like, let's run it again. And we did a second open mic night for a full other hour. And like eight or nine more people got up. So we had over a dozen people get up. Christy Arnett from Poker News came in, did some did some stand-up. And then people went for a second round also. The people who had gone up before were like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I'm going to try it again. So I was really proud of everybody. It was a great night, really fun. And then the next day, I flew back to L.A. for 48 hours. And the next day, I flew here. So that's Joe's mini event recap. But Run It Up Reno is not the main thing we are recapping on this week's podcast. TV Recap. Because we are breaking down the first three episodes of the PCA 2018 main event. These shows are going out on Wednesday nights on Channel 4 in the UK and Ireland. And they're then available for everyone else in the rest of the world to watch on the Pokestars YouTube channel. And we start at the very beginning, Joe. Episode 1, the first half of Day 2, because we always pick up the action on Day 2 when the entire remaining field is playing together in one room. And this show was the tale of two Brazilians. We've got the Brazilian pro, Andrea Cari, up on the main stage, and then we've got the Brazilian qualifier, Charles Modesto, the dance instructor, on the secondary feature table. And this is one of those situations where I really wish that we had more control over things. I really wish you could script it. Because you've got two guys you're trying to get invested in, two guys you want to follow, two very likable characters, and both are eliminated midway through day two. You lose them at the end of that show. You lose Andre... He's eliminated by Stephen John Jost, who, spoiler alert, will win a platinum pass on a later show. And then you lose Charles Modesto, which was a horrible moment. Charles Modesto felt like should have gone a lot further. Even in the moment, I remember that. Even when it was happening live, I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a thing. And then he ended up not really being a thing. And that was, uh, I totally agree with you that it just felt like if it, if you've been watching a real TV show, you're like, what are you doing? This character should have been around for longer. But really, what this show does more than anything else is kind of give you the first glimpse of a few characters who we're going to meet further down the line, be that someone like Jonathan West or be that someone like Maria Lampropoulou, who we first see sharing a table with Maurice Hawkins. And I think these were your favorite moments yes. of these first two shows. Those two, because Maria gets under Maurice's skin through no fault of her own. Just by playing poker. Just by playing poker. And it's like watching him try to needle her and either she's completely oblivious or completely above it, but it just bounces off of her. And he's so frustrated. I think the fact that she does not respond in any way, at least in any negative way, she's like, okay, thank you. Like she's very just meek, sweet. And I think that bothers him even more. Their interactions are hilarious. Um, So sadly, Charles goes, sadly, Andre goes. And so we tee up the second half of day two, which is then episode two, which is all about one man, one qualifier down. So another one comes to the main stage, Maurice Mo, the destroyer Schwab, who I'm very pleased to say is the guest on this week's episode of Poker in the Ears. Welcome to the podcast, Mo. Uh, Thank you very much and uh, hope everybody's well. Well, we're glad we got to speak to you, Mo, because we did have some technical problems. Skype isn't working the way it's meant to be working. I'm just grateful we found you at a time where you actually have cell phone reception, because we know from watching the show that you do spend a lot of time in the Canadian wilderness with your trees, and sometimes you're not in range. Yeah, very true. Uh, Last week, I was... uh in parts that, uh, yeah, lucky to even get a text message. So, so it's part and parcel of where I live. So, uh, we didn't know <clears throat> when we called you Mo the Destroyer that you actually do destroy things as your job. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I don't know uh, how you guys came up with that nickname, but uh, I got quite a quite a chuckle out of it, and uh, yeah, it's it's. Not necessarily destroying things. It was uh, keeping things uh, in check so people have power. That's that's the main thing. I'm glad you explained the job, though, because your title, Forestry Crew Supervisor, just sounds so kind of like, what does that mean? And when you explain it, it makes perfect sense. It actually sounds really interesting. And, hey, you get to be outdoors a lot. That's not a bad thing. No, no, it's not. Uh, 
you know, 95% of the day is outside uh, doing the job, so, which is all good. But uh, uh, funny enough, um, back in July, I actually retired. Hey, congratulations. Man, that's how long it took for these TV shows to get there. The guy fucking retired in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I've been there 33 years and uh, had the opportunity to uh, uh, do a retirement and uh, pursue other interests. So that's what I chose to do. What do they give you when you retire from cutting down trees like a golden chainsaw? Uh, no, uh, uh, just a, a good pension. A good pension. I like Fantastic. to hear that. As a guy who will never have a pension, I'm always yeah. happy to hear that they still exist for other people. When you say you're pursuing other things, what does that mean? Poker? Uh, well, I, I would like to uh, do a lot more poker, uh, but strangely enough, I've played less poker since I did my retirement than um, before when I was working, just uh, doing other other things and and uh, trying to find time to get back into the, the swing of the poker. So having been to the PCA, having had that experience, and we want to talk about that in a moment, I get the impression you're quite keen to go back. I would absolutely love to go back. It uh, it was just you know the whole experience was uh, over the top through the roof and and yeah it just made me want to go back and and give it another shot. Because you asked where that tagline came from, how you became Mo the Destroyer, and it's a weird one. I think in the TV show it's less apparent, but when we did the live stream, I think there were more hands where you were just absolutely bossing it. I think you knocked out a couple of players. You knocked out Byron Kavman, a very accomplished pro. Yeah. And I think that's when it just became, my God, this guy is Mo the Destroyer. Um, and having watched the show, was it weird to see yourself on TV playing at the PCA? However many months ago it was. Yeah, it was very weird. I, I, uh, you know, it was surreal, James. I, I just, I watched it, and I'm kind of going. I was actually there. I was actually sitting at that table, and and it's sort of, you know, a big pill to to swallow. So, how did you actually make it to the PCA? I don't think we actually talk about your qualification path in the TV show. Yeah, I want to know what satellite did you win to to get the seat. I played, <clears throat> excuse me, I played in uh, 2750 spin and gold, and uh, it landed on a $55 satellite ticket. Um, I won the, the spin and go. I played in the $55 tournament, and I believe there was approximately 4,000 people in that game, and uh I forget exact number of how many moved on to uh, the $530 qualifier, but I ended up winning a next ticket to the $530 um, satellite for the main package. And there was 2,200 people in it and the top 100 um, got packages. And I was, I think I was sitting about 21st or 22nd, somewhere on there. Uh, when the bubble burst and ended up winning the package that way. Uh, Mo, you made it through day one of the PCA main event. You came into day two. Joe and I were just talking about the fact that we'd set up Charles Modesto as this huge hero at the start of the first show, at the start of day two, and he then went out. So then we had everything invested in you. And on the very first hand we saw you play, we thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't get too invested in this guy because you picked up queens at the same time that Victor Ramden had kings. But somehow you managed to avoid losing all of your stack. You managed to lose the minimum to the point where Victor kind of says, where's the rest of the pot? Because he kind of expected you to lose more there. Yeah, I I was <clears throat> extremely lucky in that, and uh, no doubt about it. I, you know, it was one of the first hands that I played at sitting at the table. I was already, you know, trying to uh, stop from hurling all over the table because of my nerves. <laughs> uh, uh, and I got the pocket queens. It was just, it was one of those things that I, I didn't put Victor on, 
on the ace when it came off on the turn. But I just had a gut feel and I thought possibly he could have had trips or he had kings. And I just, it, it was one of those things I thought if I, if I wasn't good, I still have chips, I still survive, and I can move on and, and try and make something else work. And that's the way I kind of played that hand, being it was one of the first ones I was in sitting at that table. I'd be broke there, no doubt about it. I'd be like, I got queens, I'm not getting a better hand than this. See you at the, oh, I'm out. Well, I mean, I think you had queens uh, a couple of times. Certainly the hands that made the highlight show, we saw you uh, um, with, with queens on that low board, uh, re-raising the flop. Um, Another hand I wanted to ask about, Mo, was I think there's a, a point where having built up quite a decent stack, arguably you got a little bit too frisky when you had sevens pre-flop? Uh, yeah, as soon as I did that, I I knew I uh, messed up. I I was sitting there after I raised, put that raise in. I was honestly just sitting there going, I'm a dumbass. Why did I just do that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I... I uh, know better. It's it's like, especially as you mentioned, under the gun, uh, pre-raise, I should have just plotted. And I knew I made that mistake when when I raised. So it was a lesson learned very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we have to talk about the horrible cooler, which concluded your run in the main event. And I think, as as we said at the time, you're facing a, a shove with ace jack. You wake up with ace king in the small blind. It looks like an amazing spot. And who would have thought that Sockhead would be sitting there with king in the big blind? I mean, yeah, um, I it, I don't think it would have mattered which way that had to played out. Even if I had a flooded the I forget it was the twenty or thirty thousand. Uh, that originally went in. If I had it just flatted, I'm sure, uh, as you say, Mr. Sockhead would have uh, <laughs> would have uh, re-raised and and it would have been very hard for me to get away, you know, from not calling, especially in that position. So, so I, yeah, it sucked. Okay. Put it mildly. <laughs> well, let's, but let's accentuate the positive because, as you've said, it was a great experience. I'm intrigued. Once we stop following your story on TV, once you bust the PCA main event, obviously you're still in the Bahamas because you won the package. You've got those extra nights at Atlantis. What did you do with the rest of your time there? I just enjoyed the enjoyed the island. I played uh, in a couple more. I played in the one free roll. After I got busted out, um, I got busted out of that one. I I had a set and and got taken out with a bigger set out of the free roll. But uh, no, just enjoyed the island and I kept coming back. I was pretty much in the the poker room every day, uh, just watching and just you know taking in the experience of being there, being with everybody, and and uh, just thoroughly enjoying everything. Okay, so you were, after you were out, you were enjoying it. Would you say that, you know, how, are you aware of the term FOMO, Mo? No. <laughs> FOMO is uh, is a, fra a little phrase that's come about the last few years called, it's fear of missing out. And it's just sort of like a jealousy of the other people that are still in. So when you were there and observing, was it mostly positive feelings or was there like some like, Ah, oh, I wish that were me. I wish I were still in. I wish that I'd gone a little further. I yeah, I wish that I had have gone further uh, for sure. Um, you know, if that hand had a clicked, I think I would have been going into day three, sitting, you know, in the in the top twenty uh, for the tournament. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I wish it could have been different. But I, my full expectations when I went down, being that it was my first time ever playing in a, in a you know, large tournament with the, the number of professionals that, that were there, all I wanted to do was truly prove to myself that I could play with these guys, and I did that. And that's what I feel I did. I, I thought, yeah, I can sit down at this table, and I, and I can play, and... And cards are cards. It's yeah. like sometimes <clears throat> sometimes they go good, other times they don't. So 
I proved to myself that I, you know, I didn't donk off all my chips and, and make stupid, stupid calls or stupid plays, and and I was happy with what I accomplished by making it to the, at least the end of the day too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, Joe has a fun little quiz for you to play, Mo. Before we get to that, I just have to tell everyone that this week's star code is Hippodrome. H-I-P-P-O-D-R-O-M-E. So what game have you devised for Mo the Destroyer? All right, Mo. Well, since you spend so much time around trees... I figured you must be a tree expert. I mean, these trees, they have the nerve to grow all over Canada. Let's be honest, they're vermin. They need to be kept in check. And since you spend so much time trimming them, removing them, you must be an expert. Like, I remove a lot of McDonald's extra value meals. I know a lot about them. So I figured you must know a lot about trees. Here we go. Now, Mo, just in case you don't know the answer to any of these, you may... Hector a Hardigan for help, or you can jingle your keys at a Giles. Giles is our sound engineer, because I feel like you might need... You get two lifelines here. Are you ready? Okay. All right, Mo. Here we go. Question number one. Tree-related trivia. What sound does a dog make? Bark. Bark is correct. He's on the board. He gets the game. Here we go. This city in Michigan gets its name from the Latin word for tree. And what? And blank. That one, no idea. We're looking for Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. They get a little easier after this. Here we go. What 1996 movie starred Nicolas Cage as a down-on-his-luck movie producer who goes to Las Vegas in order to drink himself to death? What on earth has this got to do with trees? Leaving. Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, God, it's just a horrific pun. Yes. Two for three. Uh, Here we go. Question number four. This is a common household device which broadcasts internet connectivity. <laughs> a wireless... Wi-Fi... Uh... It's the oh. thing that puts the Wi-Fi around your house. This is going to be a pronunciation thing because we don't call it that over there. A router? There it is! A router! A wireless router! router. Wireless router. (laughs) I don't know how big you are in current event. You were in current events in the '90s, Mo. If you don't get this one, I'll understand. Question number five: What was the name of the cult led by David Koresh and raided by the FBI in 1994? Remember, you can Hector a Hardigan if you need to. Okay, I'll Hector Hardigan. I don't know about the cult led by David Koresh. I don't know the name of it. You don't know the name of it? No. Oh, so sorry. We were looking for Branch Davidian. Davidian. Branch yeah, Davidian compound. Uh, question number six. We'll save your Hector Hardigan since he didn't know that one. Question number six. He may know this one since it's about an English model who was popular in the 70s having received her nickname for her thin build and her big eyes. This one I do know. Maybe maybe Mo knows it. Twiggy. Twiggy, yes. he does know it. All right, here we go. Final question here. When you shorten something by cutting off its top or its end, you do what to it? You shorten the top or the end. I'm you stub it? I <laughs> stub it. No, I. Hardigan wants in on this okay, one. Okay, I'm going to give Mo the point because again, I finally stub. I finally worked out that it's all about bad puns, so it's truncate. Truncate. That's right. We were looking for truncate. Mo, you did better on this quiz than almost anyone else who comes on the show. Thank you so much, my friend. You are the best, and we hope you win your way back to the Bahamas in 2019. Well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep trying, and hopefully I see you guys again because, uh, uh, yeah, it was an experience that I want to experience again. 
For sure. Looking forward to it. Poker in the ears. So yeah, for two shows in a row, we've done it twice, right? We had Modesto in show one, Mo in show two, and in both cases, they don't make it beyond that 47 minutes. I mean, it's a fairly good advertisement for poker being a skill game. Not that those guys are awful poker players by any means, but clearly not the best players in the field. Yeah. The other qualifier we introduce in that second episode is... Glad to be Brito and the guy. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Everybody. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Uh, if, you, if you're bored of hearing that now, imagine how you're <laughs> going to be feeling in three weeks' time. Um, and Glad to be has the story of the wife Samara, who won the million dollar spin and go, which is obviously just incredible. He's played at the PCA before. He's back again. We see more of him in episode three, which is the Bubble Show. Um, and this is always an exciting show for us. It's always great to kind of like. It's a really tense moment, I guess, for all the players in there. Um, so here's a little behind-the-scenes story on the PCA bubble. We knew coming into day three, and this is this is rewind to January 2018, we knew they were only going to play four levels. It was going to be a shorter day than we would normally have on a, on a day three of a main event. And so we decided, as we've got an early finish, a group of us, about 10 people working on the production, were going to go for a really nice dinner at Nobu at the Atlantis Resort. Normally, it's really hard to find time to actually go out and do stuff and you have nice meals. You don't mind spending $300 on a dinner because it's the only dinner you're going to get to have the entire time you're in the Bahamas. Because we just never have time. We thought, right. right, tonight we've and got the time. 300 is too much. It's so, only about 200 bucks. So we book a table and we're told, you've got if you don't cancel uh, uh, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're tied to your booking and there's a $50 per head booking fee. But we're thinking, well, this isn't going to be a problem. It's only a four-level day. What nobody told us is that the bubble was going to be run a little differently this time. And fortunately, we've not done this since. But as an experiment at the PCA, they didn't let the clock run during the bubble. They stopped the clock. And when we went hand for hand, they just took two minutes off the clock for every hand played. But the reality is each hand was taken between seven and ten minutes. So the players were actually gaining time and the level, instead of running for 90 minutes, ran for like three and a half hours. And I'm looking at my watch and I'm doing the mathematics, I'm doing the sums, and it's like, so play will then finish at this time. Add the 30-minute delay, we're not going to finish till this time. And I worked out immediately, like, you know, if the bubble doesn't burst by this point, we are fucked. We are screwed. And so I've got like someone on standby ready to ring the restaurant and cancel because none of us want to be stuck with the three fifty eight. Yeah. No, 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 we don't want to be stuck with the uh, with, with with the fee. I mean the worst thing than paying two hundred dollars for overpriced sushi is paying fifty dollars for no sushi. So I appreciate this is a very personal perspective story that doesn't take into account the feelings or bankrolls of any of the players in the PCA main event. Fuck them. But there's <laughs> with five minutes to go on our window of like if the bubble bursts in the next five minutes, we're good. If it doesn't, we have to cancel. In that five minutes, all in on a call, it's eights against aces. Barry Greenstein all in with eights. The players got aces. Like, yes, we're going to dinner. Sorry, Barry. Sorry, Barry. Got we're em. going to dinner. And as I'm sure you know, having watched the show, Barry hits not an ace on the river, but an eight on the river, which means he survives, he cashes, and we didn't get to go to Nobu. But the other thing that happened that is the kind of like, was the sting in the tail for us is that as the eight hit the river, all the fire alarms go off in the building. It was almost like it's the, I think you described in the show, Joe, as the bad beat alarm. Bad beat alarm. And I'm glad we preserved that moment in the show because it was just like, literally, as the card hit, whoop. And that's another thing that happens all the time at PCA. It happens like, two, three times a day sometimes because some idiot goes out of fire exit and then we have to deal with the alarms on our TV shows. Um, so the real story here is not our dinner. It's those qualifiers trying to make yeah. it into the money. It's those short stacks trying to survive. It's those guys at the secondary feature table where Maria Konnikova was sat just taking their time with, with junk hands, hoping that a couple of players might go out and they might squeeze. Just looking around the room casually. And... Um, Maria Lampropoulou, at this point, is now on the feature table. Oh, man. And to me, this echoes the bubble show we had from Monte Carlo. I think it was either last year or the year before Patrick. that. Where Patrick Antonius just absolutely 
owned eight people alive yeah, and yeah. Didn't, didn't want the bubble to burst because he just used it to his advantage and maria did exactly the same thing here and not only see the thing is when patrick does it you know he's doing it right you know what patrick's doing maria manages to do it in such a way maybe it's because of the way we look at a small female at the table but she does it in such a way that you don't i don't even think the players were totally aware that she was doing it like it if i was not privy to the whole cards. I would have just thought she was running super hot during the bubble. She manages to play super aggressively in a very calm, peaceful, zen-like way that makes it even more credible. Yeah. Um, so when the bubble does finally burst, and you always feel for the poor guy who doesn't make it into the money, and it was almost he was almost saved by a double bust-out, which would have seen him score 50% of a min cash. But no... He walks out the room empty-handed. Everyone else celebrates making it into the money, including Gledeby Brito, including Maria Konnikova. And she is someone who will continue to feature in these shows as she makes a deep run in the PCA main event. So Maria's going to be a guest in future weeks on the podcast. Nice. Um, but yes, I mean, and we highlight this in the TV shows, having won the national championship and the Platinum Pass, having made it into the money in the PCA main event, having only been playing poker for just under a year... It's, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I would agree. Uh, so more episodes to come, and we'll do a recap in a couple of weeks' time when we talk to Maria Konnikova. But if you've missed those shows, or if you want to watch the future episodes, a reminder that if you're in the UK and Ireland, they're on Channel 4 on Wednesday nights. And you can, of course, also find them on the PokerStars YouTube channel and at PokerStars.tv. Uh, so let's now do a recap of what happened on Monday night, because we are at the halfway points in the Poker in the Years Free Roll League. Game four is in the books. The leaderboard has been updated. You can find it on the PokerStars blog. I can tell you that it's Mind Games 13 who currently leads now Ooh. with 23 KOs. But that's not the story from Monday night. <laughs> no. The story from Monday is the controversy, the anger, the disappointment, and the volume of complaints. And just to echo what we said on Monday and what I've tried to explain on social media since is we did this for a reason. We were trying to eliminate value hunters, people who don't watch our streams, don't listen to the podcast, but are getting the information or tuning in specifically to get that information and are really just out there to get the prize pool, the bounties, and try and win a platinum pass. We designed this promotion to be for the podcast listeners, to be for the podcast community. So are we trying to restrict it? Damn right we are. For sure. Um, but we could and should have done a better job of ensuring that all the genuine fans could play. And we should have tipped you off in advance that you did need to listen to every single second of last week's podcast. But now you know. You've missed one game, but now you know that you need to listen to all of this episode for specific instructions, not just the star code, but for any other tidbits and important factoids that we might divulge. But yes, the star code is in this show, issuing a ticket to Game 5, which takes place on Monday, the 5th of November, uh, a $500 progressive KO. There will be a $50 bounty on J. Hartigan, and there will also be a $50 bounty on the Guest Pro, who is to be confirmed. Joe, you'll be back in the land of play money poker. It's really where I thrive. So, you know, I'm kind of the play money leader at this point. I mean, I'm not, for our league. I mean, I would have that second place finish yeah. in one attempt. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I kind of laid down at the end there because I wanted a fan to win. Well, I tell you what, is this the first time you've actually been playing from home rather than a hotel room? Correct. <laughs> and like, let's be honest, who knows? Who the fuck knows where I'll be on Monday night? Yeah, so one of the things I will do is I'll make sure that we do the password just a little bit earlier because that was one of the other problems in trying to keep that registration Not period Not that really much earlier, no, though. No, I just think, I I'm going to set my alarm because I meant to do it at bang on 8 o'clock, yeah. which after the delay is like 8.02, 8.03, and I forgot. And so I was a little bit late getting there. So I'm going to set the alarm. Um, so do watch the live stream. Twitch.tv slash PokerStars. 7.30 p.m. GMT. That's 8.30 p.m. CET. Because on Monday, we'll have other details, including the password. It's 11.30 a.m. California time, if you're playing along with me. What a time to be playing poker. Plus, we will, of course, begin the evening with one of our home games, the $1 warm-up. Uh, so make sure you register for that one in advance. You can join the Poker in the Ears Home Game Club using the club ID 2153820 and the invitation code HELLO2023. 
my babies. Except if you're going to harass me in the chat, then James is going to boot you out. That guy was so pissed. Um, we, you know, we'll, we'll take, we'll accept a certain amount of banter, but everyone has a limit. Uh, talking of banter, we have got a great specialist subject in this week's edition <laughs> of Superman vs. Stapes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Knowing me, James Hartigan, knowing you, Ollie Durham, aha. <laughs> Ollie, welcome to Poker in the Ears. Thank you for coming on this week's show and being this week's Superfan. Tell us all about yourself. To quote Joe Stapleton, what is your deal, bro? Hey, Ollie. Uh, you all right, man? Uh, not much, really. I do like freelance editing, but at a software editing company on like educational software and then just play football, poker and guitar on the side, that's it really. Ollie, I'm going to I'm gonna quote, I've never got to do this before. I, I, all the radio I've listened to in my life, I've been a huge fan of talk radio. Ollie, turn your radio off. Turn my radio off? Turn your radio off, Ollie. I can hear the super fan music coming back out oh, oh. through your radio. Okay. This is this is the poker in the ears radio program. You need you to turn your radio down. <laughs> Ollie, is that short for Oliver? It is, it is. When did you start going by Ollie? Was it a parental thing, a friend thing? Did you decide for yourself? People just started calling me it, to be honest with you. I was fairly happy with Oliver, but You're gonna be Oliver to me for the rest of the time. You said you you, you edit software? Yeah, well, like, yeah, just educational software to teach people how to speak. It's going to bore the arse off you, me, and everyone else if I explain it. That's, I've just, what, I, I hear software designers and software coders. I've never heard of software editor. So, basically, someone will create it and then send it to me, and I have to check it and tell them whether it's good or not. Okay, that's cool. So, you get to boss people. James can get behind that. Yeah. Loving it. Loving it. And you are an Alan Partridge fan, which we I like. Am. I am. Can I uh, can can I bring up an issue with uh, with this? I am Alan Partridge, by the way. Yeah, go so for it. I guess the TV executives in England were just as stupid as the TV executives in America, where they forced a laugh track onto some shows that didn't yeah, it need 100% one. Hundred percent ruins it, it slightly. It, it slightly ruins it. I mean, it's still funny, but you're like, why is there an applause break right now? What the fuck? Who I, because think- the thing is with it is all like a lot of the things that's funny about it are just him as a person, like his facial expressions and his mannerisms. So then you're laughing when there's not laughter. And then it will say like something and then there's just a laughter track for literally no reason. I think this is one of the last shows of its type, which got played before a live studio audience and had a laugh track put on it and i remember I, there's a gap of about four years i think ollie between the first and the second season and the first season was like mid 90s and then the second season was early 2000s and i remember it being even more of a thing with the second season because they by that still point, do it in the mid 2000s early 2000 like 2001 sure. 2002 but by that point we'd had the office which had proved that that type of comedy didn't need it and was actually better for it not having a laugh track and and somehow the second season was even worse off for having that almost canned laughter and effect like armando ianucci he knows comedy he's yeah. a fucking he he's a genius so you have to imagine he hated this yeah i can the second series specifically is like really bad for it just oddly timed sort of studio cracking up yeah, and it's weird because, of course, it works for uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You because it's meant to be like a fake talk show, so it would actually have a studio audience. It absolutely works in that context, but for this kind of quasi-fly-on-the-wall series following Alan around, it, it just doesn't doesn't do it. But that doesn't take away from the fact that both seasons are incredibly funny. Oh, of course not, not at all. They're both absolutely brilliant. Uh, one- I prefer the second season, but Steve Coogan actually said himself that he looks back on it and cringes because he thinks he took it like, it was almost a parody of itself. Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought that was brilliant. Here's a hashtag fun fact for you then, Ollie. During that period, I was working for an independent radio production company called Unique, which is based off the Edgware Road. And it was our building and our studio facilities where they filmed all the Radio Norwich scenes. That is a very good bit of trivia. So I got to work in the same studio where Alan would banter with his fellow DJs during their handovers. Yeah, that's that's pretty good, man. <laughs> I confuse some of the series. So I watched some of season one of I Am 
I'm Alan, Alan Partridge. I'm Alan Partridge. Yes. I watched some of that in preparation for this. The second season of that, is that the one where he's got the sidekick? No, that's, that, that's, that's, no, that's Mid-Morning, Mid-Morning Matters. Matters. Mid-Morning Matters. And that one came after all of this, right? Yes, yeah. many okay. years later. Many and that's years later. what the movie's mostly based on, even though some of the characters are still around. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. All right. I don't think I've seen any of season two. Season of two Alan is where Parkers. he's living in a mobile home because he's having a bespoke oh, house. Oh, okay. I have seen some of that. Okay. And it's the one where he's planning his bondathon and then yes. discovers that one of the tapes is missing. So he does his brilliant reenaction of the pre-credit sequence of the Spy Who Loved Me. Yes, I, d- I have seen that. All um, right. One final question, Ollie, before we launch into the Superfan quiz: Are you playing in the Poker in the Years Free Roll League on Monday nights? <laughs> Yes, uh, hilariously, I've been playing in all of them, but I missed out this Monday. We don't talk to, about that. <laughs> I've had, yeah, well, I enjoyed. I did enjoy the ensuing meltdown, knowing that it was my fault that I wasn't in it and not anyone else's. But I still played all the side events and enjoyed the stream. Were you one of the guys in the chat who said, "Hey, look, I this was a little confusing, but it's on me. It was actually no, no. What what happened was I had listened to the podcast when I'm working. And I didn't have any work for the sort of tail end of last week, start of this week, and then it got to sort of about four o'clock on Monday, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't listened to the podcast. I'll quickly listen." And then within the first twenty minutes, obviously gave away the password, and I was like, "Oh, I shall continue with this tomorrow." Obviously, having missed the vital, completely on me and on those. Thankfully, I've only got one knockout, so it doesn't really matter. I'm glad you took it well. And the crucial thing is, as everyone else now knows, you have to listen to all of this episode for specific instructions. And I am at this point going to say to everyone that once again, for the second consecutive week, you are going to need to add two digits, two numbers to the end of the password that we reveal on the Twitch stream on Monday night. I'm not going to tell you what those numbers are. Suffice to say, all will be clear when you watch our Twitch stream on Monday. Uh, right, I have a sealed envelope. Ollie, you just got to be part of the secret message. How do you feel about that? That's that's pretty good. Always drink your Ovaltine. You guys probably don't get that reference, but that's okay. All right, we ready to do this? I think we are. So round one is quotes from I'm Alan Partridge, and it's a very, very simple task. You have to complete the quote. There are eight no. in total. Um, the way I'm going to... Um, uh, kind of handicap this competition ollie is that you get one point if you get a question right joe gets two i still think you could well you could easily ensure that this is a shutout um so i will let you go first please pick a quote from one to eight uh seven <laughs> okay complete this partridge line i know a cracking our sanctuary. Correct for a point. God damn it, I would have known that one. Fuck, every week. Every goddamn week. Joe, pick a number between one and eight. Eight. Does my breath smell of gas? I had a... Uh... Petrol smoothie. You can steal for a point, Ollie. <laughs> it's a scotch egg. Scotch egg for a point. And you can pick one through six. Uh, so let's go six. Swallow is a detective who tackles... Crime? No. Joe, you can steal for two points. Murder. No. Vandalism. Uh, wow. Joe, one through five available. One. That was a funny story. I wonder who got the... One more time. That was a funny story. I wonder who got the... Oh, I, I have, that's on the tip of my tongue. There uh, is no way that I have not played this clip to you. Uh, Chocolate orange. Incorrect. Ollie, you can steal for a point. Wonder who got the power pack. Correct. Uh. For a point. Uh... And Ollie, you can pick two, three, four, or five. Uh, four. It was just me, a Japanese saloon car, and the very best of. Oh. I'll have to pass under pressure. The very best of. The very best of. Bond. Deacon Blue. <laughs> Joe, two, three, or five. 
you. Sonia, that was classic. That was classic. Uh, uh, seafaring. Nope, Ollie. Intercourse. Correct, for a point. <laughs> I wish it was seafaring, though. <laughs> uh, Ollie, three or five? Uh, five, please. I do work out. I use two carrier bags filled with... Bit tins of beans. I need to be more specific. Cans of beans? No, Joe, I'm going to let you steal. It's a very specific type of beans. Tins of baked beans. Value beans Value is what I was beans. looking for. Oh. Two buzzes there. Joe, slight problem. I was a bit bored, so I dismantled my... Kitchen cabinets. Incorrect. Ollie, you can steal for a point. It's the quote which makes all menial hotel stays that bit more exciting. It's a Corby trouser press. It is. <laughs> and you have a 5 nothing lead going into the second round. Who was ever going to get any of these? Which concerns supporting characters in the world of Alan Partridge. Uh, Ollie, one, two, three, or four? Four, please. Number four. Name Alan's long-suffering personal assistant. I need both names, please. Lynn Benfield. It is Lynn Benfield. Four points. I and there got the first name. Is a bonus question. What's Lynn's annual salary? This is before any negotiations took place. Before any not any negotiations. Yes. Nine grand a year. Eight thousand a year. Oh, I, what a stickler, Jimmy the bastard. Okay, Joe. One, two, or three. Uh, one. Name the breakfast DJ who Alan tells to fuck off live on air. Jimmy Jam Jones. Incorrect. Ollie, you can steal for a point. Um, Dave Clifton. It is Dave Clifton. But Joe, I will offer you the bonus question. Why was that outburst Dave's fault? Because uh, Dave didn't tell him that he was that the red light was on. No, you're not quite there. Ollie, give him the answer. Is it when he's winding him up about his book being pulped? No, because the time had actually passed, 6am. It was officially oh, Dave's show, and he failed to control a guest. Uh. Printing your contract. Exactly. <laughs> uh, two or three, Ollie? Uh, three, please. Name the manager of the Linton Travel Tavern. Sue. Sue what? Oh, my God. Oh, that is... I know. I honestly don't know. Fair play if you know the surname. Joe, do you know? Sue Stranahan. It was Susan Foley. Uh, but, Ollie, there is a bonus question, which I'm pretty sure you'll get. Alan terrifies Susan by dressing as a... A zombie. He does, for a point. Uh, Joe, this is your last chance to score a point. This yeah. is the final question of the quiz. Name the commissioning editor at the BBC. Reginald Reese jones No. Ollie? Tony Hayes. It is Tony Hayes. But, Joe, I want to see if you can get the bonus question. It's a very, very, very famous Partridge quote. Uh -huh. What does Alan shout at Tony in the BBC restaurant? Stop getting Bond wrong. No, Ollie? Smell my cheese. Four a point, meaning the final <laughs> score is 10 nothing. I'm interested, as a Partridge nerd... Ollie, whether you can get the tiebreaker question correct. The Linton Travel Tavern is equidistant between London and Norwich. That is a true fact, ladies and gentlemen. How many miles is it in each direction? It's, oh, Christ. <laughs> I'd let you round it as well. 80-something? I have no idea. No, it's only 59 miles, which is why 59. it's perfectly placed for the modern media man. <laughs> Ollie, always a great opportunity to relive some of the finest moments of Partridge on TV. So thank you for picking that subject. Uh, and congratulations for putting Joe to shame. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was a cracking quiz, to be honest with you. There were some very odd questions there. It would have been great if the person you played against knew anything at all <laughs> about Alan Partridge. I think the only question that you would have got was the very it first was. question the only one that I Ollie got. took. Yes. Uh, so we are going to ship you a $55 PCA satellite ticket wow. plus a piece of PokerStars merch. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Good work, Ollie.
All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Next time, what am I watching? What am I? I it's when we're doing the. I can watch a movie. All right? okay. I can do a movie. It's like watching a whole two series of a TV show. It is an absolute delight for you, Joe. It'll be a treat for Patrick as well. You get to watch Singing in the Rain, nineteen fifty-two. Oh, Hey, it's a musical. You, you, lo- you love movies about movies, I right? Love, you're no, one of those I, LA types who's I up his do own like asshole. Movies about then you're going to love this film. But I don't like movies where people sing about exactly what they're doing. They're singing about singing in the rain if you, while in the rain. It's a little on the nose. If you don't enjoy this film, you are soulless, which I suspect already, but you will confirm I'm not soulless. If you don't I cry enjoy this constantly, film. and we both know this. Uh, so I'm watching Singing in the Rain. We've got a super fan on board for that. Next week, obviously, we've got another free roll league. Listen to the whole show, everybody. If you missed how to get in, do not forget. There are some clues in here you're going to need. I'll be playing Play Money, which means some of you will be getting straight state. Straight state. Someone tried to get me to do that at the pub league last night. I was like, I'm not. And he's oh. like, oh, you're more of a keyboard warrior? I was like, no, I'm just not a jerk. If you're going to do that thing, you've got to own it, though. That's the thing. Would Jeff Gross hold back in that situation? No, he wouldn't. Probably not, but I'm no Jeff Gross. Talking of Jeff Gross, his friend Andrew Neamey is going to be on the show next Correct. week. Correct. Andrew Neamey, the vlogger, he is going to be on the show next week. And we never do this. This is great you added this here, James. Send us some questions for Andrew Neamey. Hashtag at poker in the ears. Uh, James mentioned in the next few weeks there's going to be Maria Konnikova, Nathan Manuel, this guy who's desperate to win a platinum pass, got one in Reno. Very happy for him. He will be on the show. In the meantime... Give us some love, subscribe to the show, like us, leave us some comments. You know how the algorithms work. Give us some love. Keep this show going forever and ever. But for now, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.